Welcome to Mental Awareness Discussion, the MAD Podcast, with Miles Weber, Heather Weber, and Susan Thompson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the MAD Podcast, the Mental Awareness Discussion. As always, brought to you by Broken Drift Productions and Banana Bros. Follow them online at Broken Drift Productions and at AZ Banana Bros. I am Miles Weber. With me, as always, is my lovely co-host on this podcast and in life, my wife, Heather Weber. Hello, dear. How are you? Good. How are you? Every time you say we're brought to you by Banana Bros, I always want to yell Banana Bros because that's what they do in all their segments. (laughs) Yeah, we represent out here. We're doing it 100%. Yeah, I know, right? Everybody should go follow them on YouTube and uh, watch their Banana Bros videos. Yes, I know. I made French toast with the kids and we didn't mess it up too bad. Um, And with us today, we're very excited. I worked with this uh, fella in Oklahoma City uh, at the Looney Bin Comedy Club a few weeks back. And he's very, very, very funny and uh, a very interesting person, a very smart guy. And we got to know each other very well. And uh, he's going to be sharing with us his little experience about OCD. Give it up for uh, Trevor Carrion. What's up, Trevor? How you doing, man? Miles, Heather, thank you so much, guys, for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, like thank you very, so much. Uh, very, it's a very, um, it makes sense to do a mental health podcast right now because I feel like every person you have on has probably been afflicted with something in their recent, recent past. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Sure. Thanks yeah. for having me on. 100%. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. And we're, we're stoked to get you on because we know people in our lives who have clinical, actual OCD. Um, and yeah, so no, getting no, no, to meet no, no. you and and seeing that you were super comfortable talking about your experience with it, man, we were super excited because mm-hmm. I think there's so many misconceptions about what OC, OCD is and what it isn't. So coming from a person who has OCD, what do you think OCD is not that it is commonly misconceptualized as? That's a huge question right now. OCD has become like a colloquial verb in societies where like it's, it's become like the word literally where like it, it really has, because I don't think people when they say, oh my God, like I'm so OCD or whatever. Um, I don't think anybody has bad intentions with it. I just think it's literal. It's a literal misunderstanding that we've reached in society where people just don't grasp that it's an actual clinical disorder and not like a, I mean, it's been, and TV has a large part to do with that, which has, is a good and bad thing, because where more people understand it's an actual thing that people deal with, people see that through the lens of shows like Hoarders, which aren't like the best educational viewpoints for like a clinical disorder. So now it's become like almost a joke in society where you can like, if you clean up too much, it's, oh, I'm so OCD. And that's not what it is. It's, I, I, I tell people it's very clearly defined by like, if it ruins your day, like if it's like affecting jobs or relationships, or if it's, it's gotten to a point where like, it's an actual issue in your life, then it's OCD. Um, but otherwise it, it has become like a, a societal verb that is misused a lot. Um, which is the same thing with a lot of like, mental disorders now. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I deal with the same thing with bipolar all the time. So yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> It, that's it's such a double-bladed sword um, with social media and like stuff like TikTok in particular because so many people are being um, specifically uh, like for me I've seen like um, ADHD symptoms and things that I just, I never considered were like parts of that disorder um, 
So where people are being enlightened to information and perspectives of these disorders that they haven't necessarily been privy to, it's also need to be understood that it's a spectrum where like, just because you exhibit certain qualities of whatever disorder doesn't mean that you technically qualify for like being clinically diagnosed with that disorder, which I mean, maybe you do on that spectrum, but like, as of now, like the clinical definition is lying on the extreme end where it's like actually affecting your day. For sure. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I think that's the thing people commonly misunderstand, like the cleaning thing. That's the biggest one, right? Like, uh, yeah, oh, well, no, I, I wish I was clean. Yeah, I, I desperately wish I was clean. Like, I desperately, desperately wish I could like do some sort of meditation practice that could like focus the the irrationality of my OCD towards cleaning, because that's convenient. Like, that's I'm a slob. I'm not like a clean person whatsoever. It's a it's a conscious effort for me to present myself as an adult on a daily basis in terms of like just being a human being. And I think that it's so important for people to hear that just because like. To hear, oh, I have OCD and I'm not clean. I, some people might just be like, but how, is that allowed? Like, how is that even like, they just think it's part of what it is. So I think um, a good question here right now, cause we could trace it back to the root. When, at what age did you start to notice that there was something different about what was going on with you? And then when were you diagnosed and what was that process like when that happened? Okay. So um, it wasn't like an exact age that I noticed because it was all kind of looking back and re re looking back in retrospect that I realized that like, I was exhibiting symptoms from an incredibly early age. Mm -hmm. um, but like irrational thought um, has been a thing since I was five, six, mm -hmm. um, just as an anxiety response. But like the first like notable thing, um, and we talked about this a little bit, was yes. uh, when I was like nine or ten. I think I would go to bed to radio Disney because even then um, I couldn't go to sleep without things playing, which is another, like, it's really just another sign of having one of these mental disorders is not being able to shut down. So like I would have to have something external playing for me to go to sleep. So I would go to sleep to radio Disney every night. And then somehow I worked it into my head that if I went to bed before hearing a certain song by uh, Jojo featuring Lil Romeo, I think, um, if I didn't hear a certain song before falling asleep, my parents would die, um, which is cool because songs started out popular. It would play very immediately going to bed initially. Um, but then like, you know, six months into this stupid obsession, I was going to bed at like four o'clock in the morning because it wanted to be, like, it was just getting pushed further and further back into this playlist. And that was, um, which really, I was thinking about this recently, like when that stopped playing is when like, I realized that like, I, I might've manifested a lot of like small day-to-day -day ticks so like mm. that went away and then i started scratching paper so i did this thing for years where like if i saw a sheet of paper um that was i don't know what the parameters were for it but if it was sitting a certain way on the desk i would have to scratch it with the back of my nails and it was like an insistent like i would pass the paper walk several steps have to go back and then do it and then i would leave and if that didn't feel right i'd have to go back and this was like 11, 12. I would get in trouble at schools because I was like doing things that teachers would just like play off as me being dumb, essentially, because the teachers are underqualified for the things that they have to deal with, truly. Yes. For sure. I don't want to just teachers in any way. 
Um, but yeah, it, uh, there's a lot of like small manifestations that like if I think of um, exhibited themselves, even down to like physical things. Um, I don't mean like talking about this one because I have to like consciously make myself not do it. But I, I get this thing where I irrationally feel that my eyeballs aren't big enough for my head. So I have to like squeeze the facial muscles in my face in a certain way. Wow. <laughs> it's basically just like me closing my eyes like over and over again but i'll get into a cycle where like it just looks like i'm blinking a lot it looks crazy from an outsider's perspective um that was a thing like my mom worried about when i was um i was like 13 or 14 but also it's a thing that my aunt does too which you know harper and sort of these things are yeah these things are genetic expressions and she kind of grew up in the same environment that i did which is kind of like high stress high anxiety constantly changing so i i feel like which is something I, I wonder about constantly is how much of this like how much of this stuff am i expressing genetically because of my outside environment like if i was presented with different things with these things not being expressing themselves is this at all anxiety response which is, i don't know if that's an answer i'll ever know um but i got diagnosed because um I actually went into the doctor with chest pains um, when I was like 21, 22. It was like the first time I ever had insurance on my own. So I was like newly trying to figure out how to like see doctors, which is a whole thing in itself. If you just don't grow up doing that, mm-hmm. um, I went outside of an emergency room. So it was, oh, it was a very daunting process initially. Anxiety towards doctors already was had a high point. So I went to a doctor because I thought I couldn't breathe properly. Like I thought there was something wrong with my back. Um, and then I went in to get that checked out. They told me there was nothing wrong with my back, which caused them to x-ray my lungs. And then I had a doctor tell me, he sent me down and told me I had the lungs of an 80 year old, which isn't a cool thing to say. to like somebody no. without like any, like to a specialist afterwards. Um, and then I waited another like month or two to get into whatever specialist I had to get into. And he told me, uh, that the previous doctor was basically full of shit. Um, there was nothing wrong with me. It was just a misread of my chest scans. Wow. Um, he, to somebody who diagnosed me as an anxiety disorder, which got me on Wellbutrin for the first time. And then through getting my dosages correct with that and talking to my doctor about the initial, it wasn't because it wasn't Wellbutrin initially. I was on Zoloft at first or something else. I've cycled through three pills before I stopped feeling electric zaps in my brain to the point where it was debilitating. Yeah, um, oh, man. The process of that and like describing like symptoms I was dealing with and actually speaking to a doctor and finding one, it, it was just a general practitioner. I don't know if he specialized. Um, otherwise, like I said, I was, I was pretty bad at keeping track of all of this. Um, but it was through that that I ended up getting actual like the OCD diagnosis and that was what I was shifted onto Wellbutrin for because it was something about the way that functions um people with OCD end up getting put on that a lot mm-hmm. okay. um, yeah. I'm learning because like rarely do these things like exhibit like singularly so you don't just have OCD it usually comes OCD ADHD most of those people end up massively depressed um so I feel like Treating the depression really is, uh, it, it was a very advantageous thing for me at the time because I'm not on any sort of SSRIs or mood stabilizers right now. I'm on nothing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but treating it at that point, like just specifically the depression kind of made me realize how I was coping with OCD in other ways, because like the OCD symptoms get worse as depressions, like depression onsets. It's, it's something that goes hand in hand. I started yeah. listening living in a nest in my room. I start doing like, yeah, the the worse like my mental health gets, the more I start like cycling irrationally. So I'll have mm-hmm. to like check doors. I had to buy extra phone storage on like my Google Cloud uh, because I used to have a job where I would lock up a big like weld shop that I worked at. So we had like eight buildings that I would have to lock up every single night, um, and I had to record myself with a video on my phone. Um, actually physically locking the door and then pulling the door until like a ter- certain tendon in my hand started hurting so I could walk away and like I would feel like the fact that I had pulled the door so hard that like it okay. hurt Damn. so like that like set in stone that I actually did it along with the videos that I never watched but I have like I just went through and deleted like 25 gigabytes of videos that's just me clicking doors wow. <laughs> like an insane person and uh, it was just, um, that was just to settle your mind when you got home, just to make sure like, okay, I did everything I can leave now. And it, it wasn't even, I couldn't delete the videos because like in my head, if my boss found something that happened on August 25th and it was sometime in mid October, I would need that video to like cover my tracks. Um, this, this, these the, the the senses of irrationality all feel like they come from the same place mentally if that makes sense like they they have the same feeling to them almost like an emotion when they come so like that is the same thing as me having to unplug all of the plugs in my room every day before i went to school in high school um so okay. like it, it's weird I, I i describe it as like the same irrational feeling manifests in different actions throughout my life and i i don't really i've never figured out a way to like describe that or bring meaning to it but it's definitely like a i don't know if that was triggered from initial anxiety or whatever mm-hmm. but well, it's always I, been an interesting thing <clears throat> for me that it's the same feeling you touched on something earlier when you were talking about everything about um the ocd being kind of a a product of a rapidly ever-changing environment and uh, I, I've talked to, you know, we've talked to other people with OCD, and that seems to be consistent where uh, being young and in an environment where there is so much instability, you would then naturally gravitate towards, I need to do these specific things, and then the exact outcome I want to happen will happen. Like, it's, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. You exhibit yeah. control and smaller rationalities, which makes complete sense because the likelihood of my parents actually dying is incredibly low. So the fact that I listen to that song every night, that's success. Especially because of JoJo. Dude. Yeah, I know, right? If they're going to go out, it's not going to be because of JoJo. <laughs> the mass Singer will be yeah. so proud of that choice. Though. I know, right? They're like, thank yeah. God we put JoJo on. Um, You'll never yeah. know, though will have a place in like the through line of my life's memory because it's the thing that saved my parents lives every single night for so long am 420 radio disney which i think it is am 420 disney's the pot number on the radio that's so funny oh my goodness (laughs) disney 420 oh man i I, that can't be it 
that can't be it. But it's You're going to have to look it up after this. We're going to have yeah. to find and see if that's what it was because that's hilarious if it was. Um, yeah, man. And then I think also maybe an intern at your doctor's office got fired because maybe when he was like, Oh yeah, you got the lungs of an 80 year old. Maybe they just, they gave him like an 80 year old's lung x-ray. It's just like, Oh, well, yeah. Cause this is the 80 year old guys. You got the wrong one. Well, especially just to sit on that until you get to a specialist. Like that's a long time to just sit on that. Well, the thing was like they, they were looking at it and they did see a thing. My lungs show signs of hyperexpansion, which is true in people who have a certain type of lung damage, but it is also true in people who have lost significant amounts of weight like I have um, just because you're losing fat with pushing on my organs to a certain extent for so long that like, it literally changed the shape of my diaphragm. So now that I have like a smaller body, like I don't really understand physiologically how those symptoms express themselves, but you can tell in my lungs that that happened which is okay. what that guy read which is what he like missed looked at he just didn't take the time to like ask me enough questions to like really get a full picture of what was going on mm-hmm. he just like saw that was like oh it's an alpha one tryptophan disorder which is like this incredibly rare thing we're gonna send you off on a blood test good luck dude which now I have a very terrible mistrust of doctors I don't go yeah to understandable <laughs> yeah man understandable <laughs> yeah wasn't good like the anxiety problem that gave me afterwards was so much worse because it was dumb because i initially went for what initially like it turned out to be my anxiety expressing itself physically i was i had this thing where just in my head i couldn't take a full breath that was just me stopping myself and taking a full breath Mm. so i do have a question like going back to school days did your teachers ever talk to your parents about things that they were noticing or did they just let it go unchecked i went to like i don't know 12 to 14 schools by the time everything was said and done okay so there, there was very little opportunity for i think anybody to get like a real solid comprehensive picture of me like mm-hmm. as a person okay there was i mean I, there was there was a few teachers that my parents became like friends with that they're like like in my head they still know i have no idea if it was i have no idea if they talked about that or mm-hmm. anything like that so i was um like i was never i never like really acted out in my head but i was being constantly sent to like out of school programs that wasn't exactly like disciplinary programs but it was like this is a group for like hyper boys and then i would be sent to like a summer camp in the middle of downtown dallas it was like a terrifying environment it was like prison <laughs> it was oh, very sure. it was very much a culture shock well just because yeah that, that at that time it was a specific program i remember called umoja and i was at a very specific like not great school um yeah and they just sent me off to a program for like troubled boys <laughs> which uh like constant there's like fist fights every single day at this summer camp oh yeah you put all the troubled camp. boys together what did you think was gonna happen <laughs> that's the thing like you gotta spread them out like <laughs> it, it was troubled boys and like older dudes with like wads of cash that they would give you to for good behavior so like if you did something good the dude would pull out like i'm sure it was like a stack of 100 ones but it looked like so much money in my like 12 year old head and it would just hand you five one dollar bills like a little stripper is this still happening like is this thing still happening the the umoja program is still happening they are i mean they mean well 
I just think it was a very poorly funded specific. This sounds like specific. the Tony Soprano school for troubled young male youths. Like, it's a, hey, hey, I got a stack of hundreds here I got from the, the dancing club. And like, if you mind your shit, we'll give you some. It was exactly what it was. It was like, I don't know, the, the vibe I get it now thinking about it retrospectively was like a bunch of like dudes in their 50s and 60s pulled into a multi-marketing scheme where you like corral children with like small amounts of petty cash it's i don't i don't really know i got a cool shirt you know this <laughs> thank god oh man i mean i was that's what really matters yeah man i would that was gonna end real sad if it wasn't for the shirt man i mean the fact that that makes a lot of it worth it yeah. <laughs> i know man that's wild so hmm. so Moving to, uh, I mean, after your diagnosis, um, do you think your family was receptive to the diagnosis? Was it kind of like a, a team effort to be like, okay, let's try and under what what happened after the diagnosis? What changed from there? And did those changes make things a little better? Did you develop new coping techniques? Um, just the way my brain works, uh, like after the diagnosis, because like I had like an actual definition. It was a basically a validation of what throughout my life felt like just a constant through line of insanity. So just the way I deal with things is I seek out as much information as I possibly can, which is what I did. Um, and just knowing, which I think is one of the beautiful things about the internet in general, just knowing that it's not like a, knowing that I, it's, it's something's broken. That's, such a relief and did so much just for my overall mental health and like moving forward as a human being uh just because like i i, I knew it wasn't like a detrimental thing i understood that there are coping mechanisms which i realized that i had already started developing on my own through checking videos and stuff like that like i've talked in like ocd like forums and stuff like that on reddit and stuff like that and talked about like the video stuff i've made tiktoks about the video taking idea it's like oh that's a great idea that's a I mean, it worked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had to like pay a bit of money, but like I wasn't taking an extra hour at work. It was an extra 15 seconds, which that over like me personally, the Wellbutrin did amazing things for me, like as a crutch to get to a place where I understood how to deal with all of the things that I was going to deal with. Um, but it did do things to like for certain parts of me that like are unacceptable to me so i i'm really thankful that i was able to use that as like a splint to get myself to a place where like i, I understand now like if i'm about to take a mental dive and things are going to get really weird i understand how truly irrational the thoughts are like how irrational and how unoriginal the thoughts are like because all of these things manifest it, that, that i mean that's the thing i the fact that i'm like I'm not special. That I, that that helps walk away from things more than like the videos ever does. I love calling it unoriginal. Like it's like, oh man, these this stupid yeah. shit about my parents dying is just hack. Like, come on. Like, I mean, it's just like it's so unoriginal. It's low hanging fruit. Get creative. Come on. But like when you start hearing about people's weird tics that they had throughout childhood, it's pretty fucking unoriginal. Like people develop some truly complex realities and oh, like yeah. irrational scenarios that are like that it completely outdoes mine which i'm obviously not envious of but it's interesting mm -hmm. 
Well, I know the the uh, door locking is super common. I have a friend uh, and I would go over there and massage him monthly and it would be like a constant thing where he'd have to check his door. And eventually he ended up just get putting something in where like when you lock the door, it would say it like through the house, like door locked, door unlocked. And he could check it on his phone just to like make sure. So now he doesn't have to go all the way through the house. It's just a quick, okay, it's there and he'll go about his business. But it was like a thing where he'd get up off the table a couple of times and be like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, I'm sure, but you can go check because I know it'll make you feel better. So go ahead and go check so i know that the door locking is super common for five years i lived an hour away from where i worked and like more than six times i got fully back to my house an hour away and then got back in my car and went to work to check a door that was locked but it was for sure locked that's the thing too that's the dumbest thing i know i'm never gonna forget to lock anything it's just never going to happen with who I am as a person. It's ingrained. It's part of like the emotion my hand does when I get to another side of a door where I know there's a lock. It's just what my hand physically does now. I'm never going to forget it. I can't. But just <laughs> Which well, really it, is. It seeps into your day because you'll just be going mm-hmm. through things throughout the day and be like, but did I? And it'll just like start to creep up on you. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And there's like science that looks into like what actually makes like who you are as a conscious person. And it really has me believing the like line of thought that like we are a probably an amalgamation of several parts of our brain that has not what most would consider independent thought, but what you could like see expressing is like independent thought. Right? Like I don't think I don't think our brains are like one like piece of meat that's working in conjunction with itself. I, I really think. Because that's what it feels like. There's a part of myself that disagrees with myself at like a very intrinsic level. <laughs> it feels very stupid and inescapable. Uh, but it's all in here. And it's, it's a very like cerebral, heady thing to deal with. Are there rituals that you've had that like eventually turn into something else and go away? Or do they just kind of stack up onto each other? Um, They, I don't know if, for sure they turn into other things like 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 i'm saying earlier where like i don't know how else to explain it but for some reason the specific thing of me unplugging all of my stuff is the exact same thing i don't remember which one i harpened it to earlier but it's different than locking doors Mm -hmm. it's not the same thing it comes from a different place it's not not the same thing like the locking doors been an individual thing it's never expressed itself in anything different mm-hmm. but like the the needs to do stuff like like when i leave my my room at my apartment in tulsa because i'm in the middle of like a trailer where i'm at a lot of the times mostly now um, but i have an apartment in tulsa when i leave there specifically um i do this thing where i pace the hallway and i i don't know what i'm looking for exactly but i just need to walk this specific area until it feels right that's the same thing as the paper scratch i I don't know why but that is the conclusion of that paper scratching somehow through some length of weird ticks i don't know if there's gaps in it i don't know if there's things that i just didn't notice i feel that that is the same thing (laughs) i feel like that is the evolution of what that's become okay which I, 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 it doesn't make sense rationally, but it's the thing none of this is rational, but it's, that's what it is in my head. It is, well, that's oh, that fascinating. Sounds, that feels crazy. 
<laughs> feels very crazy. Oh no, I think it's fascinating because I mean, yeah, you've really it's like um, it's like you've got a, a dresser uh, like a, in your head, and you've compartmentalized all these things into different drawers of the dresser of like, yeah, no, these go kind mm -hmm. of in here and these go kind of in here together, but th these two definitely don't go together. You wouldn't, there's no reason to put these together. <laughs> so yeah, it's just, you've got it very organized, like, and it, but it's fascinating because we're trying to find the thing that's similar to the pacing and the paper scratching. And so there's nothing on the surface that seems similar, but something in your head goes, well, obviously these two are linked. Mm -hmm because of mm -hmm. this one thing. So I think it's fascinating, man. Yeah. Well, because there's different things, because that's a thing I have to do until it feels right, which is different from the locking doors and plugs, mm -hmm. because that's a thing I have to do because I don't want to be culpable for gigantic disasters. And that's another interesting thing is how much this has taught me about myself and what I need to like reflect on in myself, because like that, I'm not worried about my parents' house burning down. I'm worried about my parents' house burning down and it being linked to my outlet. And that's that's a thing I have to deal with, like myself. The guilt. Um, yeah, that's not that's not the right that's not the right thing to be worried about. That's what I'm worried about. Don't know why. Um, Interesting. Because I, I I feel like I should be worried about the whole house burning. That should be what I'm I'm I feel guilty of. But no, it's just the fact that it could be linked back to something I did. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, but at the same time, though, I don't know how irrational that is. I don't think anybody wants to be responsible for their parents' oh, yeah. house burning down, you know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, I don't think people are inherently selfish. I think that's the wrong vocabulary to put to that yeah. thought. Mm -hmm. But I do think people's general inclinations are towards themselves, which I think nothing mm -hmm. is wrong with. Mm -hmm. I think anything else is like an outward perspective of who you want to present yourself as, which is fine. That's just as real as anything you are. Yeah. But people are preserving like animals. Do you do like the outlet thing, for instance? Do you do that at other people's houses, or is it just your own? The what thing? The like unplugging outlets. Do you do that oh, at other um, people's houses, or just your own? That's just my own house. Um, if I'm like, if I have like, if I feel some sort of agency over something that's plugged in there, I will unplug it. Mm -hmm. Um. But no, I don't feel like compulsive needs to mess with anybody else's things because if it burns down there, it will be their fault. So really it would be, yeah, so really it would be if you brought a piece of electrical equipment to someone's house, you would then assign, like you said, agency over that thing and you would make sure if it wasn't yeah, being used, you would unplug it. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm never like leaving anything in like a dangerous, vicarious place in somebody else's possessions that never. I'm okay. so terrified okay. of like something I do inadvertently leading to like somebody else's bad day. That's not, uh, and to the point where like, yes, that will carry over to like the side of irrationality if I'm like somewhere where I have any sort of like I'm staying there, if I have any sort of responsibility for stuff. Mm -hmm. Like hotel rooms, that happens. How does this affect like your relationships, your friendships? Is this like something that you have to have like a conversation with people about or do you just kind of see what they notice? Um, well, I'm friends with mostly comics, um, like in my day to day life uh, in Tulsa. So like my roommates are comics. So I think that's just like a group of people that's generally used to dealing with like mental quirks in general. Um, all of my friends are, are you know, that's not the same way. You you understand. 
Um, but then like in relationships, um, I haven't, I've been in one like long-term relationship, like five or six years um, where it was, I was incredibly lucky uh, to be with the person who I was with. She was incredibly accommodating to the point where like, she would humor the fact that I would like call her and be like, Hey, locking the doors. If I need to like call you in a few hours to ask this, is that cool? And she'll be like, yes. And she, she was incredibly accommodating towards that. So I, I know for a fact that that's not going to be like a through line of <laughs> like, that's not going to be my experience throughout my life for sure. Um, but no, I'm, I'm open with it. And just because that's another thing I, I feel like it's so, To, to its positives and negatives, the term neurodivergent has been colloquialized to the point where it's both trendy and highlighting just how common mental illness is. So that was like a consistent thought. Um, yeah, no, I think that. There. Go on. You're good. No, 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 no. Uh, I think that makes complete and total sense. And we're mm -hmm. always trying to come at things when we do oh, this podcast of, from a from a perspective of um people on the outside so uh from your perspective what does it look like when you are feeling supported by the people around you like your friends you know because we always try to think from like a friend's perspective people maybe listening who know somebody close to them who has ocd and they didn't necessarily understand it this way and they might want to be there or if certain situations arise they might want to know what to do or what not to do and everything from your perspective what, the, what does it look like when you feel supported in that regard my roommate's fantastic at it um i personally he does a fantastic job of just letting me do what i need to do he understands he can still have a conversation with me he can still talk to me like a normal person but i just might walk back and forth here 15 times don't mention it just let me do this thing there's nothing you can say or do that's gonna that's gonna fix whatever needs to be done in this situation but like also i'm still fully capable of like paying attention to a conversation so he's done it he's gotten very good at um Basically, just ignoring it, letting me. Uh, there's nothing anybody on the outside can do to fix the irrationality that I am dealing with. It is entirely a thing of self, and that's the thing. It's irrational. Um, so, understand that you're not going to understand. Uh, the comprehension that it's not going to make sense is gigantic, which is is a perspective that's hard to reach if you don't deal with like truly irrational thoughts, which some people. I've discovered, and my roommate is one of them, they just go throughout their life not wanting to swerve into the opposite lane ever. And that's <laughs> the idea <laughs> The idea that there are people just out there that don't ever just want to go, you know, and like, take that chance. That never creeps into their head once, not even a single time. That's... That's like a that's the that's a different kind of animal to me. So I, I like I understand <laughs> I I can get that that type of human being is never gonna fully comprehend like what depression is, like anxiety really is, or sure. what irrationality really is. There's just it's a it's a it's a 
it's a gap in like cognitive understanding that can't be bridged through anything other than experience. And I don't want those people to experience this, but like, I, I get it. Yeah. I, I understand. I don't understand, but like, I think that's the main understanding that pe- those people need to understand is they're not going to get it. Mm-hmm. It's not something to be under, it's never going to make sense for them. That's the the best way I've heard that put going into the other lane, because I'm with you. Like, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I've had that thought frequently. But yeah, so I think that's actually the best way to describe it. Of just like, oh, you never. And and I never have. So yeah, yeah, like that's the thing. Okay. Okay. That's fascinating. But that's that's a good point to know. Well, I mean, like, it's like driving a car. Like, you have, like, in your head, like, the the childhood character of what driving is. You're like, oh, but like, tactically it's like an incredibly different thing you're it's it's way more engaging than you could ever comprehend as a child when you're just watching people drive imagining that you're doing it i'm sure mm-hmm. kids now probably are connected, but you know what i mean yeah. it's just not something experientially you're never going to bridge that gap unless you drive a car no. yeah Nope, that makes sense. I love it. I think that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. That was brilliantly put. Uh, Well, dear, do you have any more questions for Trevor before we wrap things up? No, I just want to thank you for being so open and honest. And I think... I hope I didn't ramble, Trevor. I felt like I rambled. No, No. you're good. You're good. And I think think this episode is going to be really good for a lot of people to understand. Like you said at the top, like, I wish I was clean. It's not just because you like your remotes going one way. Like... There, there's so much more to do it. So, so yeah, thank you. I appreciate this. Yes, yes, man. I think this has been endlessly fascinating, endlessly fascinating, just the whole thing. And I really feel like we and the people who will listen to this will get a little peek inside, you know, peek behind the curtain of, of what OCD really is. And also, just like you said, I think a really important thing is just like, just let people do their thing, man. Like you're not going to be able to talk them yeah. out of it. Like the whole basis is irrationality, and you have to just release the entire control over fixing a person and just be like, "Yeah, no, this is what it is." All right, well, hit me when you're done, man. Like, yeah, it's all good. So that thing that's very exactly by definition is irrational. Um, go ahead and let folks know where they can follow you online and all that fun stuff, man. Uh, my handles on everything is Trevor Carrion. It's Trevor with an E R T R E V E R C A R R E O N. Um, I make TikToks regularly. I, I do a bunch of stuff over there. So yeah, may, mostly if you want content from me, TikToks where to find me. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Hundred percent. And then thank uh, you so much for having me. I really had fun. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. It was absolutely fantastic. It was great having you on, man. Uh, Thank you all for listening. We really appreciate you. We'll be seeing you every Therapy Thursday with a brand new episode. Follow us uh, on Instagram at Mad Podcast. Uh, I'm at Miles Weber Joker. You can follow Heather at Bodies by Heather on Instagram as well. Uh, So, yeah. Thanks for watching and listening, everybody. And we'll see you next time. Take care. Bye, guys.